Welcome to the Home Small Home Podcast. I'm Christiana Spaulding of Silver Trailer. I bring you conversations from people who are living small and dreaming big. In this episode, I sit down with my friend who is a musician, very talented musician, Daniel Park. We recorded from our friend Bev's studio apartment in Ferguson's in downtown Las Vegas. We cover everything from shyness to travel, simplifying, and the definition of happiness. I hope you enjoy, and thank you again for joining us. Small Home Podcast. I'm here with my friend Daniel Park at Ferguson's in downtown Las Vegas. My name is Daniel Park. I am a full-time musician that lived in a tiny house for three years. And now you're living in a still a small space. It's still a, small a tiny apartment. space. Uh, it's like a tiny apartment with a roommate situation, but it's uh, it's also a photography studio. I love to be around other creatives, and so I think that kind of fuels the passion. You are one of the most passionate musicians that I know. You have fun with it, Um, and you work really hard. Well, thank you. And you're always going to work with a smile. Yeah. You document it with your Instagram, which is fun (laughs) to watch. Part of this conversation I want to talk to you about is uh, keeping that passion. So work and fun, and why can't they be together? You have a great job of bringing the fun into work. Yes, I do. I have played music my entire life, and I would say for part of it, I didn't know that music could be fun. It was kind of just a part of my life. My parents had me play violin um, when I was five, and so I grew up playing in orchestra in middle school and high school, doing high school orchestra, uh, middle school orchestra also, and after school orchestra programs, so it was like constant just classical music Mm -hmm. and um, just being around that and so I would say I wasn't really exposed to like contemporary music on the radio until I got my own boombox in high school Hmm. not even in the car on the radio no No. we just have classical tapes that I would listen to and go like oh I need to work on this you know I need to practice this song on the violin so I gotta constantly listen to it and 
Yeah. And do you remember the emotion connected to it when, when you thought about practicing or was it just what, uh, just um, a natural process? Probably not. I don't feel like I was as emotionally connected to the, to classical music as I am now to, you know, whatever I, I liked listening to. And I think that's the, I, I kind of feel like I wasn't given that choice to kind of pursue mm. Um, what I wanted to do mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but I did end up picking up guitar and singing in high school also. So you know there was that choice eventually. But where did you get the guitar? Actually, my mom bought me a hundred dollar guitar. I remember uh, right before she dropped me off at at a Lutheran Bible camp in Iowa. Oh wow! <laughs> For the summer, it was like two two or three months. I was just there and. So like okay well I got you a gift it's a hundred dollar guitar or whatever and so yeah start playing church songs on the violin or on the on the guitar um, did you teach yourself the, or did you take well, classes it, no well kind of so like you know you just kind of learn from other people to be you know would have this kumbaya of of a bunch of people playing guitar while singing you know Christian songs around the fire or whatever mm-hmm. so like Anybody that wanted to play guitar could they just follow along with everybody else, you know, playing the chords and stuff like that. Right. So, so is that when you came into your voice and singing, or were you kind of? Yeah, I, mean, I would say I start singing in church, uh-huh. you know, around the campfire with church camp and right. you know, and then church band or whatever. Sometimes youth band, you know. Uh-huh. And then here we are in Vegas. How's, where's the gap? Between where's the gap? Yes, how did yes. You get so here? when I left high school for college is where I kind of made that distinction, saying, "I'm not going to play classical music anymore. I'm going to make my own path." And mm-hmm. so I kind of stepped back from violin a lot and pursued the guitar and singing a lot more. Lots of like youth groups and stuff like that in college doing churchy kind of music but also listening to the radio and getting more um, contemporary songs in my library and just learning those and singing a lot Mm -hmm. I used to I remember I used to sit outside on the grass in front of the student union usually on Fridays and and uh, just sing for people as they walk by and sometimes people would join me on the grass and just hang out and I remember I'd spent so many hours doing it I would skip class and uh, maybe five, six hours a day sometimes do that. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a good way to make friends. Yeah. And to make people happy. I mean, what, just 20 minutes ago, you had us all singing. Oh, yeah. We're singing singing Hey Jude in the kitchen. (laughs) That's a powerful gift to to lift people's spirits and get everyone together. I've always realized that music brings people together. And Mm -hmm. so without even thinking about it, people go, oh, I like this song. And sometimes if they don't recognize a song, it still is powerful because they just go like, oh, this, without even knowing that they wanted music or needed music in their life, all of a sudden they're like at the computer and like, oh, well, I'm singing out and I enjoy this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. There were some endorphins going through <laughs> a lot of us down there. <laughs> yeah. That was really fun. <laughs> and, uh, was great. Yeah. Music makes that a little bit more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wish more people would sing. I mean, I would never do karaoke or any... Why not? Because uh, I don't have your voice. Every, you don't have to have... <laughs> but I've been singing for years. When I first started singing, I didn't... I wasn't a good singer. 
Were you ever a shy kid? Yeah, I was always, I was, I grew up shy. Wait, do I not, do I not seem like a shy person? <laughs> You're so shy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that gives me hope. Maybe I will be a singer one See? day. Yeah. How did you come out of your shyness? Um, I still feel like I'm shy. I don't know. Oh, do you really? I don't know. Yeah. I think part of it is overcoming, I guess now that you th- I think about it, it is kind of overcoming those fears. So like I had a fear of being on stage, but just being on stage a lot, mm-hmm. I just put myself through the paces of like, you know what? I, it's weird to have like eyeballs on me, like people staring at me, but just doing it so so many times and over the years that I it's a norm I feel more normal on stage than I am just like having being in a small group and like chiming into a uh-huh. into a conversation like that one on one I feel okay but like a lot of times uh, it's weird like being in a group of like five or six people that I, especially if I don't know them and like being like oh I you know chiming into this group I still feel kind of awkward I'm that same way. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And you're like, of it's, course, you might have something that contributes to the conversation, but you go like, well, when do I kind of insert that right. in? Or and maybe, and then by the time I think about that, it's like already too late. They're like, on something else. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that is interesting. Because a lot of times I think, wow, when do you grow out of this? And then I just, I just accepted it as, I'm more of a four people or smaller person or one-on-one. Sure. Sure. Just where you can connect and really mm-hmm. share ideas. I still, I like to observe and listen, but that's, I think we each have our own dynamic that we really enjoy. Sure. Yeah. I think um, probably getting out of that shell, you just have to start just trusting yourself and, you know, instead of thinking about, for me, it's, you just need to put yourself in those situations where you are in those big groups and inserting your knowledge yes. or your and just doing it and see what kind of reaction you get. I mean, positive, negative, you, you'll get some sort of reaction, right? Right, so. hopefully positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you called me up with when I had the guitar to play guitar on stage with you mm-hmm. for that open jam. Yeah. Which was when you called me up and said, <laughs> I, I see a guitar out there. And I came from an Airstream rental and it was a prop. I'm like, oh, please tell me. And I didn't know you that well. Said, please <laughs> yeah. tell me he's not talking to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then once I got up there, yeah. you made it so fun. And I thought, oh my gosh, never in a million years did I think I would ever be on stage playing air guitar. There we go. And it was so fun. That's what it's about. So, thank you. Of course. And a lot of it is supportive friends and even we weren't even friends at that point really so thank you for that but now we are yes yeah works out you're singing all the time all day having fun with it you have other people joining in Mm -hmm. so what is your average day like my average day that's kind of funny there are no average days i know i have um okay a day in the life of daniel okay uh kind of more of a normal day Okay, I'll give you two scenarios, right? So when I was living here in the, uh, in the in the Ferguson's community in a tiny house, of course I, because of my job, I perform on the strip a lot of times. So I have a regular show at the Bellagio on Tuesdays and stuff, but I don't stop playing until 1 a.m. Sometimes if it gets rowdy, 1 2 o'clock. I've, I've done that, played an extra hour or so, you know. But then... Sometimes by by the time I kind of drink a beer, talk to some people you know, in the crowd, 
pack up my gear, get to my car. I mean, we're talking on the strip, Bellagio, it's, you know, everything's really far away. That'll be, you know, an hour later, so maybe one o'clock, two o'clock, depending on the night. And then sometimes I'm hungry by that time, so I'll go and get like late night Thai or whatever. So, and then I'll go home and then wind down. So it's not, I don't usually go to sleep till like three or four. Usually, just usually my, that's my schedule. So keep that in mind when I tell you that I usually don't wake up too early. Yes. (laughs) When do you wake up? I I don't want to make excuses, but like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to start like, oh yeah, I usually wake up at 10 or 11 a.m. But that's, but that that is usually the norm for me, 10 10 or 11 a.m. A lot of times I'm in bed looking at your Instagram story and you're going to work. So don't feel, yes. don't feel bad about okay, sleeping okay. in. Yeah, it's just a I'm different lifestyle because I want to explain that not everybody that does this or is where we are is like, oh yeah, we're super on top of like 7 a.m. We're going mm-hmm. to the gym or 6 a.m. You know what I mean? That would be hard to maintain. Yeah, it's, uh, I, th- I feel like that's not really a realistic thing that people right. can do. I mean, I do go to the gym, but it's a uh, it's a few times a week, you know. But not nothing. I'm not like a super huge like muscly person. It's more of an internal thing for me. So typical schedule. When I was here at at the Airstream Park, I would wake up at 10, 11 a.m. I would kind of walk out. A lot of times, I'd already kind of do my do some computer stuff. Mm-hmm. Walk to the local uh, coffee shop. Public Us is my favorite place go into my tiny house with my guitar, work on some music, practice some songs, or make a video. So I usually make weekly videos on my YouTube, just presenting a new song that I've written or a cover song, just something. Mm -hmm. Just kind of prepare that day. Sometimes I'll hang out with friends, you know, lots of hanging around the Ferguson's. And so, and then if I had a show that night, then, you know, make sure I'm prepared for that show and uh, head out and then sometimes anywhere from nine o'clock to you know till one two o'clock in the morning I'll be gone Mm. so but now that I don't live in Ferguson's it's a similar thing but I do end up going to the gym a lot more uh, than I did here I never pretty much went to the gym here I got I was distracted quite a bit (laughs) but now I'll have kind of my own time um, with less collisions, mm. but it's kind of, I found like for my, for the creativity, it's better that way to be creative without interruptions. Right. I would imagine as a solo ma- magician, <laughs> magician, 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 <laughs> I just no, to all those solo, solo <laughs> magicians are, are, oh wait, you play music, I mean, are really having a lonely time. <laughs> someone who plays music by themselves. Yes. I would imagine you do need that solo time. Yeah. So a lot of times, I'm um when I'm learning a song, I mean nobody wants to hear me sing the same chorus or the same verse of a song, twenty, thirty times. You know, but that's what it takes. Um, repetition is what it takes to memorize or or get things kind of figured out and so a lot of times I'm just sitting there or I'm just plucking on my guitar making sure my fingers are in the right place but nobody really I don't think anybody wants to hear me just plucking on my guitar for you know 30 minutes 
into an hour straight hmm. playing the same exact okay, thing. <laughs> exactly. But that's what it takes right. to get it right, you know, is me figuring out the chord structure and then mm-hmm. going through and making sure I have the right strumming pattern. And so that's why I need that kind of alone time to to better myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then where do you find the collaboration with other artists? That's actually been difficult mm. for me here. That's why, uh, you know, doing those monthly jam sessions that we have here at Ferguson's is very important because it's a stage where it's a place where people can come together and it's made for collaboration. Mm-hmm. It's, it is what it is. It's literally all people do is collaborate on stage. But I've had a hard time finding people that I could collaborate with without kind of pulling them along. It's Sometimes it's hard to find the people that are already naturally... You gotta, I don't know, you've got to find the people that are at the, at the same level so it's not... It doesn't feel like you're just doing all the work, I guess, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And like, probably oh. the same level of dedication, I would imagine. Yeah, or exactly. Or, or I, I never like to say talent because no matter what, like I never thought I was talented. I just put a lot of work and up until this time like I I didn't think of myself as like naturally talented at music or gifted at music Mm. I was honestly when I was playing violin I was not the best and I wasn't the worst but I wasn't ever great at it and now but I'm the same thing too I don't think I was ever great at playing guitar and I don't think I was ever a great singer I've only considered myself a singer the last few years you know and so I think just repetition just the way I think about learning and um, creating has and kind of compounding that time has made me what I am today I guess right yeah not not the talent I don't I think anybody untalented that has the drive to put in the time and to understand what it is can do it do the same thing yeah so you never know you could be a singer in hey a few there's years. always time <laughs> <laughs> musicians that are starting out yes now, uh, what advice can you give them when you think back of your path and what you've learned starting musicians I would say <laughs> don't hide in your room and just play there you gotta you gotta get out and start seeing other musicians and uh, I know I just said I don't really collaborate that often but one of the things that really drove my my career was when I was first starting to play I went to an open mic and then I went back every Tuesday and my goal was to learn a new song every week and sing it at this open mic and so every performer would get two songs and so what I would do is instead of trying to learn like 20 songs in a week I would just focus on one song a week and go like you know what I'm gonna get this down I'm gonna get this down perfect and so learning the music and that's what I mean every just repeat that one song even when I wasn't playing my guitar just in my mind I'd just sing the lyrics and and um, just just try to get it all memorized, music and lyrics. And by that time, the Tuesday came around, it was 
it was easy, you know, I'd sing this new song, and then I just repeated that for, you know, 10 plus years, so. Yeah, it's great to have a set date and a goal. Yeah, yeah, so it was like a weekly goal, and so, like, I would get a song memorized and learned, and then move on to the next one, you know, and and then I was able to perform it. I got it ready to where it was performance ready, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, and so, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's just how I did it, and so... Now, I can pull up any any one of these song, hundreds of songs at the blink of an eye without really thinking about it. it just becomes mu- uh, muscle memory. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So tell me when you incorporated violin back into your music. Yes. So a few years after, just in college, um, probably after college, a friend sent me this this YouTube video of this guy doing a thing called looping. So he would bang on his guitar and then he would record it, you know, with a pedal. This is all live. And then, so that would repeat, like the, like the beat would repeat. And then he'd play his guitar, record that, that would repeat. And so, and then he would sing and then he could sing some notes. He'd be like, ah, you know, and then that would, that would repeat because he could record the microphone. And then he would sing the song on top of that. So there was like a whole wall of sound. All of a sudden this light bulb came on my head. I was like, oh shoot, that's how I can perform the violin and guitar in the same Mm -hmm. song. And so, you know, I could, in the same way, like my violin could be the uh, notes or whatever, you know. And so I got the same exact pedal that guy had. Um, his name is Howie Day, by the way, if everybody likes, does everybody remember that? You and I collide, do, 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 do. The Collide song? Oh, yes, yes, Remember yes. Collide, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I saw some random live video that some guy was like, oh, you should check this guy out. And yeah, yeah, it was and sweet. That's how it and happened. so I was like, you know what, I'm going to start messing around with that. Got the same pedal that Howie Day had and brought out my violin and, uh, started messing around with it it's so cool to watch you play violin yeah I mean, it's like you get lost in yourself and yeah. then everybody's lost and you getting that's lost that's what in everybody yourself. says and it, it's kind of made me if anything it's made me different than anybody else like mm-hmm. solo artists mm-hmm. that I know yeah that everybody goes like oh yeah this guy's cool because he, he does like the guitar but he plays the violin and he sings real well or something I don't know just all this stuff and so like it's it's become like a you can a story I guess you know that people can tell like oh yeah and then they go like what how does he do that and so like there's you know a question you know they they can ask and they can be involved in that yeah, yeah. and you're making violin very cool yeah I'm making violin so cool it's trending <laughs> So back to the tiny house. Yeah, <laughs> are we going off topic? <laughs> no, no it's God. all on topic because I love your story. And when you were living in the tiny house, how yes. were the acoustics for you? For singing and stuff? Yeah, did you know? Yeah, it was okay. Um, I mean, there were sometimes uh, where I had to move stuff around for me to play. Uh-huh. You know, because you had to like, no, oh, I have some clothes over here, so I have to shift for that. So I can sit down to practice. Right. And what about your amp and your... Where, where did you keep all of your equipment? Yeah. And so most of the time I'd kept my equipment in my car. Oh. 
because it wouldn't fit in the tiny house. Mm -hmm. Or I would put it underneath the tiny house. So, (laughs) not too many storage solutions. Yeah, because um, the equipment is, uh, takes a bit of space. That's the, yeah, I couldn't put it anywhere. It wouldn't fit in the tiny house. Right, because I've seen you go to a show wheeling it all out. This yeah, looks like it's a lot. Big it barely fits band. in a tiny house. I mean, right. it would fit in a tiny house, but it is not meant, yeah. Right. So maybe you could have a little shed addition <laughs> if you ever do move. But the whole idea is to live minimally, yes. right? So, like, I don't want a shed full of, because I feel like the shed is the gateway to, like, oh, well, I can, well, I have a shed. I might as well put yes. more stuff in I it. You know, that. I could store some more stuff in it. Shed is the gateway <laughs> to clutter. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for bringing me the back storage. to that. so true well in the tiny house so it is small there's a lot less to maintain yes less clean less to clean less to this is when I realized like wow this has really helped you living in a tiny house situation because CES comes in every year uh, to computer uh, electronic show yeah yeah and uh, you know I went one year with uh, some friends and there was like all these brand new like gigantic 80, 80 foot screen TVs and like all this new technology and I was looking at all this stuff I was just thinking to myself at the at CES I was like I don't care about any of this shit like none of this will fit in my tiny house so in the long run I'm, I'm not spending money on anything because mm-hmm. it I it won't fit in the house. I, right. I, I can't. Furniture, I mean, besides the, you know, the bench that I had to sit on or whatever. I mean, you can't buy any more furniture, really, because right. it, won't, it won't fit. And so, like, you kind of think about all this stuff and you're like, wow. You know, in a regular house, I'd be like, oh, you know, I got to put something on. I got to put a picture on this wall or I got to mm-hmm. fill this space with something. And then you hardly ever go in that room or you hard, you don't ever... But you want it to look nice, just in case, just in case you have friends over, or all this stuff, and like, you spend all this money on like worthless junk, and like, so I loved it. I I started understanding like, wow, this tiny house thing has helped me realize I don't need to worry about having the latest gadgets or the latest cool thing because it doesn't matter. I can't fit it in my house. I can't, you know. <laughs> do anything with it right. so I don't why it doesn't even matter yeah I don't even care I think it's realizing you have everything you need yep even though things are cool yeah exactly I wasn't even I wasn't I wasn't going like oh, I'm missing out on this new TV or this new thing I, I was going the opposite direction I was like shit what else could I get rid of to mm-hmm. like make this even more like that right. it was kind of addicting to be like oh wow I can get rid of stuff and be Still, and I, yeah, it made me. It made me really proud of myself because I used to be like that. I used to, I stood in line for the very first iPhone. Uh-huh. You know, I was like one of those people. I was like, oh, I gotta get the latest gadget, and I gotta get this. And I get kind of sucked into those kind of things. But um, yeah, now I'm just yeah, whatever, whatever flows. So it's it's kind of changed my. It's definitely changed my mindset. That's great. In a lot of ways, living living tiny. And probably helps when you travel. You do a lot of international travel. I travel quite a bit, yeah. I was just in, I mean, what did I do last year? What was that? Last year I was in India, Bali, New Zealand, Australia, Singapore, 
That was all last year? Yeah. Wow. Morocco. Well, within a year. I don't, I don't know. I can't even yeah, remember. Yeah, that's amazing. A lot of it's for work. Yeah, like New Zealand and Australia. I got, um, I was hired to play some events. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of it was just for fun. And so, and that's, I think the important part of it is um, I realized that the less I have back home, Mm-hmm. the more opportunity I have to travel because like I said I'm not spending money on new gadgets or new stuff like that I'm kind of thinking oh I can actually be out more because I'm not spending money on stupid new gadgets or new stuff right. so yeah it's changed my mindset a lot to from getting the latest cool thing like a new car I don't have a new car I've had my car for 10 years but I've thought about getting a new car because you know I've had a car for 10 years I'm like oh I should get a new car but then I was like that's stupid I should if my car is still working I should just keep it and then not have a car payment and and I can go see stuff because I, mm-hmm. I have the funds to do it you know I can travel around the world and yeah. not worry about it that's great yeah and you're making friends all over the world and then I, now I make friends all over the world so it's a, it's a snowball effect I feel like there's more there's more life to live than stuff to get. I know I was trying to make it rhyme, but it didn't work out. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a good song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your upcoming plans. My upcoming plans is, honestly, because of my kind of tiny living, or living alternatively, not not with a traditional like apartment where I have a year long lease or whatever. I have a month to month lease. I, that's the way I wanted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really even a lease. It's just a, I just rent a room from a, from a friend and not having anything that's like a car payment or, or anything like that. I am able to kind of just allow opportunities that present themselves it becomes more of an actual like serious thing like so uh, I just accepted this offer from the Ritz Carlton in Singapore to work there for six months and so, so exciting. Um, yeah and I think honestly if I didn't live in a tiny house and the same opportunity came it wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to do it because because of the mindset I realized that living in a tiny house if you keep everything simple in your daily life you allow more things of the outside world to kind of um, allow it themselves to manifest so when opportunities come you're like oh yeah I don't need you know there's there's less to worry about back home I guess mm-hmm. yeah and uh, so yeah I'm like oh yeah I can live in a hotel room so yeah I'll be living in the Ritz Carlton and so now that I've like been used to living small, I mean living in a hotel room is like mm-hmm. this the same kind of concept. Yeah. Like it's just one pretty much one one room. But honestly, I think the hotel room will be bigger than right where I'm living now. Even so, <laughs> I've lived in a hotel room for uh, over a year. It's a nice experience. Yeah, very simple. Yeah, yeah, and it's I love that. I want to keep on living simple. Mm-hmm. So, what is your definition of a happy life for you? 
a happy life is the freedom to pursue um, pursue your dreams and, and it seems kind of stupid like that's just what everybody says right but to me it's um, the career you know being being able to be creative allowing that space to be creative um, a lot of people I feel like they're worried about their jobs or like they're worried about what their boss is gonna say and what their um, you know like oh I'm so busy um, and all this stuff and honestly living in a tiny house is has also helped me in that realm meaning to say no a lot more people have over the years and this happens to everybody I think they'll want you to do something or like hey how can you help me with this or can I borrow this and can you um yeah yeah can, can you, you be on my podcast yeah <laughs> thank you for saying yes <laughs> <laughs> but I'm able to say yes but I'm also able to turn down 10 other people that want me to do stuff for them mm-hmm. um and so I think that's what's important is once you understand like what's important you can kind of apply what you've learned from living in a tiny house to many other major aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, maybe I should not fill this space in my mind with with junk, you know, with stuff that I don't ever use mm-hmm. and just focus on the tiny parts that make me happy. And so, and then expanding, expanding that thought process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can fill your mind with all kinds of junk. You can also fill your house with a bunch of junk that you never use. But it's it looks cool or it it's socially acceptable to to do whatever that that may be. But if you truly want to pursue happiness, it's definitely a internal it's always that internal struggle, right? Mm-hmm. I have a lot of I've met a lot of people it's like this this idea that like oh man if I just get that job that next the job that I want like oh this job is dumb and then like they get excited about the next job and then that one's like after a month they're like oh, I don't like this job and so I realize happiness is this internal thing that people have to kind of realize or it, it's an enlightenment I guess um, mm-hmm. because then everything will follow wealth money time friends friendships relationships all kind of just present themselves I, I feel that once you figure out that internal struggle of happiness and what makes you happy yeah mm-hmm. because it, once people I feel people are drawn to once you figure that out they're just like oh why is he so like go lucky all the time or like I'm not like a hey what's up guys like oh like so yeah let's, let's you know but I mean sometimes I can be but like yeah I get excited to be able to now I think about I have the time you know unless I'm per- performing that night I'm able to go and do an adventure for a few days with some friends or whatever all because I now that I can think tiny I can say no to 
some of the gigs that I don't need to do. I have a lot of friends that will perform seven nights a week because they, in their mind, they're like, I need to make money. I need to make money. I need to keep on making money. But they don't understand the reason why they need the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other the other idea is they 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 need the money to buy the couch that needs to fit in their living room that they never use or right. yeah exactly and so if you think about like oh if you just cut down on not having so much stuff or the new car the trying to look cool or being something that you're not and always struggling that internal struggle of happiness where if you just cut out everything that doesn't matter then you have time for the things that do matter and that's the pursuit of happiness Very I'm sure nice. you need to cut all this down to a little bit I it's shorter it. <laughs> deciding what makes you happy in order to be happy right it's a yeah definitely an internal struggle I think that everybody goes through you seem to be pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. I am. And you I make got, other people happy. I got all, everything I felt like I put out into the universe has happened and more, you know. Only because part of it has honestly been because of living small. Hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. When are you coming back? I don't know. It's open-ended right now. Hmm. So I perform up until March uh-huh. 2019, but I'm leaving that open to the universe to maybe I meet somebody that says, hey, I want you to play in Japan, or I want you to play here, or perform here, or even if I don't do that, I'll probably at least travel after that for like a month or two mm-hmm. through China or whatever, or mm-hmm. thought about going to Europe for a bit too. But I'll always come back to Las Vegas. It's okay. not. That's, that was gonna be my next question. Yeah, that's not the. That's not the end all. I'm not trying to move away from Vegas. It's just I'm trying to follow the opportunities that's mm-hmm. that I either think are fun, help my help pursue what I want to do, or um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess just those two things. Yeah, that's that's perfect. <laughs> that's what I say. That's why I always say about. Gigs, they have to have, they have to fit certain criteria for me to say yes, or else it's just not worth my time. And what are I guess they? I guess it's one of them would be one of them would be is it financially viable? So it doesn't make sense. I actually just said no to a gig in Denver last week because mm-hmm. it wasn't financially viable, and they wanted me to do all this stuff, mm-hmm. come out, you know, bring my own sound equipment, bring all my equipment, um, but they were the their budget didn't really allow it to be sustainable for me i guess mm-hmm. if that makes sense it's just like mm. yeah that would have been like a three-day process to get drive out there with my mm-hmm. equipment perform and then try to drive back and then they're like well we can only pay this much so did yeah. you did you do that at one point in the beginning yes yeah. i would say yes yeah. to a lot of that stuff even yeah. if it didn't pay very well because i'd say the idea, the mindset back then was like, oh, I need to get my name out there. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I lose money on gigs and stuff like that. And so the kind of there was a flip-flop of, uh, I don't know, the, the idea of what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, 
oh yeah I need to get my name out there or whatever and so would you do that again looking back um yes and no I would just do it smarter so mm-hmm. I would probably spend a lot more time promoting more or, or letting people know you know what's happening and mm-hmm. using the tools online first because I didn't do that I kind of just would go and perform at the bar mm-hmm. gig and whoever was there was there right you know be like five people or you know ten people and be like oh you sound good you know or whatever or sometimes you know I'd open up for another band but it was just like me and the band (laughs) and so yeah really getting my name out there was a lot more work than understanding that like okay wait maybe I should think about this a different a different way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah the first thing is uh, I realized I needed to be realistic with my time Mm -hmm. Um, so being paid for my time realistically made more sense than especially if people are like hey we really want you to come out here and do this and it's like uh, well I can't do it for less than this I don't know Anyways. asking for what you deserve right? yeah exactly I think that's that's important yeah. and that's a that's a big factor in being able to say no right um, number two is uh, if it if it's if it allows the pursuit of my career I guess in a lot of ways or my creativeness so if someone said oh for instance this happened a few months ago I was recording with this guy and in LA and performed violin on his rap album or whatever and he knows this other rapper who happens to be Snoop Dogg's son and I was like oh and I was like hey, he wants you to come out and play violin on his album. And so I was like, well, I'll have to come back a week later. But I was like, you know what? That seems like kind of just like a fun opportunity. Mm-hmm. I didn't make any money on that on that opportunity, but uh, I realized that sometimes it, you say yes, not based on the money, but based on, based on the opportunity. Right. So and things leading to other things and unfolding. Yeah, exactly. Right. So if you understand sometimes what that opportunity represents or what what it is then then yes it it is good and the third thing i say yes to is if it's just something i want to pursue or something for a friend or or i know it's just fun Mm -hmm. you know so something that i want to i want to personally do or it gets me excited to do if i'm not super super excited about it then i'll won't say yes yeah (laughs) makes sense yeah yeah that's great i like that breakdown yeah three things three things but you're right maybe i should do a special little thing about living small yeah doing it and how that's helped me um be a better musician yeah i'd love to see that yeah that could be interesting yeah i could do a whole song yeah (laughs) it could be a really short song (laughs) (laughs) very simple very small Where can people follow your big adventure? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I have a website. It's just www.danielparkmusic.com. On Patreon, patreon.com backslash danielparkmusic. And your Instagram is? Is just danielparkmusic, all one word. You want to sing a little ditty? I don't have my guitar. You want me to play the piano? 
I'm not really a pianist. <laughs> I happen, in my tiny house, I happen to have this tiny little piano. <laughs> this grand this piano. Grand piano. <laughs> song the life tonight and you wouldn't frame or take the music from my heart and turn it into a guessing game to play for the people passing by when they ask me why why are you happy when you're playing outside they ask why why are you happy when you're playing outside? Sidewalk guitar, don't you worry about me When there's no sound of movement I'm just rehearsing for pavement when the cross is inside just to hide from the light and the freedom Living in a concrete prison Not knowing what they're missing And don't they know about the danger And when the sun and moon are strangers And don't they know they can live it up Get a cup, fill it up, stomp their feet on the ground When they listen to a new sound Oh, and they can answer now Why, why are you happy when you're playing outside? They ask why Why are you happy when you're playing outside? Hi <laughs> That's the first time I've ever played that song on piano, actually, so yeah thank you so much you're welcome that was great that was fun well i'm excited for your big adventures well thank you I so appreciate you taking the time and saying yes to this episode yes <laughs> i know it's going to inspire a lot of people thank you so much for listening to home small home i hope you enjoyed that episode with daniel park i know i enjoyed recording it his laugh is super contagious and we're very excited for his travels ahead. We wish him well. If you're in the mood, I would love if you would subscribe to this podcast, rate and review if you feel like it. I so appreciate you listening. Big appreciation to Socialista for editing and to Sonia Barcelona for our intro music. Outro music by Daniel Park, an original. And performed on the piano of our good friend Bev, who so graciously loaned us the use of her studio apartment and piano spur the moment to record this podcast. Thank you, everyone.